0: test number 9851B. The subject has begun refusing to participate in the experiments, resulting in a rapid decline in... B. Waller has suggested more forceful measures to be put in place. Fortunately, he hasn't found the keys to his shotgun safe. I'll have to... All right, I'll call him in. Morning,
1: Mr. boy Good morning, Mr. Sheckman How are we today?
0: oh no we're good we're good thank you thank you thank you for asking um how was the toast this
1: morning i'm not eating it i told the receptionist of yours already come on boy
0: it's perfectly ordinary toast it smiled at me i
1: thought we Uh, had a connection
0: yeah that must have been old jeremy drawing a smiley face in cinnamon don't worry about it no it was not smiling and then it smiled ah right seems jeremy missed the memo on that one it should have been Simile Toast. <laughs> Missed the eye there. I'll have a word with him. You sure you don't want to try it anyway? <laughs> Yet. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Toasting and the Zion and Michael Boer.
1: Let's rather get into that. What have you learned this week, Mr. Boer? I had an interesting thought. I was watching something, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, life... World War II in colour type stuff. Mm. And I was watching them paint a ship at, in the, just before a battle. And the famous story is the ship went in, painted one side and not. And I thought... They were not using rollers. So I thought, when the hell was a paint roller? Okay. Interesting rabbit hole, yeah? Um, well, anyway, the first thing that Google turned up when I typed in, I didn't use the word paint. So I discovered that the inline roller skate was invented before the quad roller skate. The inline roller really? skate was invented in Paris in 1819. Three wheels, inline. Yeah. Okay. And the quad, 1863. But anyway, the paint roller was invented by Richard Adams in 1940 in the U.S. of A. Do you know why? Mm -hmm. Well, with, you know, uh, (laughs) 1940 was before the U.S. got into the war. um, But it was because there was a shortage of brushes um, for painting. So there were two types of paint application. For airplanes and cars, they used spray and mm. for everything else roofs walls everything else you use brushes there was a shortage of brushes because they were all animal fur based yes, yeah. and the cost of animals and all of that sort of stuff and then it got me thinking if you think about how a brush works a brush slides and you use sort of capillary action and stickiness of paint to apply the paint yes. if you take spraying spraying basically deposits down without touching the surface and a roller people think it replaces a brush but actually it replaces the spray gun because it works exactly the same way there's no sliding it basically rolls and deposits the thing down like a spray gun and i just thought so it's the action is not the same as a brush um well the the action is the same it's it's sort of side to side motion um, but the application is a bit different and i thought well that's an interesting thing um, that the roller just popped up because this guy Thought, thought about it um, a better way to, to apply paint
0: and it happens so often in design when you take it back to basics in that same way of one is rolling one is sliding the paint basically off like you would a, a vinyl sort of cover on something yes. sliding it off and the other one is effectively just throwing it at the wall now this is not it, it, it's sort of it's sort of in between it is closer to spraying in the sense that you're not taking that roller solid and, and dragging it along as a sliding action it is
1: effect, almost like a stamp i mean it, it's it is it's exactly it, it's a stamping action it's deposition but the nice thing about it is there's no let's call it wear and tear whereas a brush a brush wears out yes. because the, the bristles themselves slide and the paint kind of runs down it etc but you've then got all kinds of things like it can be the the amount of paint that you deposit with a carefully done brush is a function of temperature and the paint viscosity and the surface preparation whereas with a roller it's more it's more bulletproof and the things i mean yes you make it sort of on nice bearings but you think of you know the application of rollers to apply packaging labels you know you think the, Mm -hmm. the paint rollers and stuff like that roller technology is flipping incredible when you start to think about it yeah and it it came out of, of, of a shortage of <laughs> the exactly, yeah. status quo, which is an interesting, uh, 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 interesting uh, uh, thing. One
0: thing, it's sort of having been, you know, everyone I think at some point mostly has, certainly by their by their 30s at least, has painted something. You've painted a house or yes. you've painted a wall or some, or some sort of that sort. And it's a, a paintbrush. Okay, cool. You, you, you throw it in your, your tin of thinners or thinners or whatever just to, to let it soak, let the stuff come off and it basically yes. wash it out afterwards. A roller is a much more difficult bloody nonsense to get through. Yes. Um, and the one video I saw, it, was, it wasn't anything special, it wasn't a new gadget or anything. It was just a ring of metal with a handle at the end, it's basically just twisted around into a ring. <laughs> Put it in, you just push it through. So the ring is wider than the, the sort of inner right. diameter of your roller. but in a, And then it basically just squeezes all the paint off. There will still be some left and yes. things. Don't do that with a foam roller, i have them find yes. out, because the foam just tears and you rip everything to pieces. So, yeah, you need, I mean, the next roller was clean, but that's because it was new, um, having to do that. All right, right. and we're
1: not going to design something which is a mixture of a quad roller skate and paint rollers. We're not going to do that today. What are we going to do ah. today? What
0: Have the students been coming up with any ideas so far? I mean, it's, it's getting close to that point where they need to start... Lambasting us with all their wonderful ideas. Yes, they
1: have, and I don't know who, who gave them this idea, Mr. sheckman but the the mechanicals seem to have the idea that dead bodies above eight thousand meters on Mount Everest, because that's the only mountain really, on frozen <laughs> dead bodies. That this is a this is a a, a terrible problem. I, I mean, so the problem statement is yeah. the problem is that there are dead bodies, and I've had this from like six students um, yeah. that have all asked, and I've basically all told them the same thing, and that. Well, if you if you just backtrack in terms sure. of how that body ended up there, climber wants to go and climb world's tallest mountain. There are T's and C's that apply. There's yes. a contract that you sign. You've got yes. to pay a fortune to the Nepalese government, and you go and you obviously accept the risk that it's a very inhosp. It's 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 more dangerous than flipping space, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or deep o- ocean exploration. There is a, a serious chance of things going wrong <laughs> yes. up there. Yes. From temperature, wind, sliding, and then health health issues. Your body is yeah. under ex- exceptional strain. So if something goes wrong above the medical, let's call it rescue altitude, mm-hmm. you, you get left at the side and you stay there. Yeah. Um, you get and pushed off the, yes. off the thing yes, and, yeah. and that. But what is the problem there? Um, if, if you think about it from a from a legal point of view if the contract was that if you die above this thing you will not be rescued and everest will be your permanent resting place it's not a bad place to be to be honest yeah right and the other thing is you're frozen perfectly preserved there's no yeah. risk of thawing um what what there's no risk of bacteria they're not vultures up there that are going to go and eat it there are no <laughs> maggots can't live what is the problem well it is it, it is interesting i
0: I mean, I'm not doing sort off the top of my head, but there was a... Because there are... I mean, global warming is a thing. Deny as much as you will. um, There are cases where some parts of... And I don't think it was necessarily Everest, but some of the mountains... In that the, the caps are melting, those bodies are now accessible. Yes. So... In the sense, not that there are dead bodies as a problem. Yes, and I mean, I think still even then, it's not something that we should really be going into as a fourth-year project because there are solutions. You know, it is now accessible. You go up, you
1: fetch it, you bring it down. It's that's true. Now here's the thing where hmm. when and we'll do a, a probably one um, in. in in the next batch on the the complex problem and then also the matching of a complex solution to it yes, because it yeah. can't just be the one yeah in this particular case the solution is obvious in that yes the 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 the, the primary con, you know limitation to solving this is mm. you can't go and retrieve bodies off everest if there's a chance of adding the rescuers to the body count oh yes yeah so the thing has to not involve humans because of the risk the end now there's detection issues yeah. um, and then there's access issues retrieval issues, all that sort of stuff so the solution is a relatively obvious thing, it's going to be something which is super low weight, highly powered because it's not going to go from you know, base camp up it's going to detect where these things are and then go and retrieve them and it's not going to have any humans on board simply because of the risk, it has to be I, I, it, yeah it could be remotely controlled so it doesn't yes. mean it needs to be autonomous
0: so detection could be easier in, in that way i mean the one problem is is that i mean detection is an issue so either you say fine we get the bodies that we can see so we make everest or those mountains more aesthetically pleasing and that we don't as you're climbing see a stark reminder of what yes. you're doing Although that probably is maybe something in there. And also
1: you'd, you'd end up doing this outside the climbing season simply because you you know you don't want to have you know caution roadworks ahead, <laughs> and then these climbers sit there chowing oxygen while a, a retrieval or, of, a, of your, de- your design fails and you've got this giant tumbling machine coming that's down true. You. you. know the other thing is you you know if you do have to go and dig and and for for something there is the risk of. Uh, creating an avalanche oh, and that sort yeah. of stuff. So you would do it in the off-climb, you do it out, out of, of season, season and that would allow you to retrieve, certainly, like the deaths that occur in a climbing season, those can be documented yeah. as opposed to the ones which are like 50 years old or, or something like that where they might be buried who knows where yeah. no, no, or no, having certainly. moved as, because as, I mean, ice um, is, it does move on a yeah. mountain yeah, yeah. It's, uh, with, with glaciers and stuff like that. But,
0: I mean, there's still persons, I mean, there are cases where as a person like well we don't know where he went and then they, 50 years later oh yeah he was
1: actually on everest he has his body we happen to have found and finally identified him so yes i mean why not design a machine to go and find amelia Earhart, so we can finally stop getting documentaries <laughs> on on that type of thing
0: and e- even
1: in that sort of situation it's the standard thing of
0: search and rescue there is search then yes, rescue. Separate there is functions, separate there, functions. there is detection there is retrieval exactly now, a detection of a dead frozen body that has been there for more than a couple hours, there is no difference in temperature between once the surrounding exactly, environment. Exactly, once it's
1: frozen into the eye, uh, the only chance you've got to do it is if it's buried deep down is possibly with some form of imaging stuff which yes. might be able to detect so teeth and bones yeah. as opposed to Arsene, ice stone. or some form of metal stuff that would pick up the clips and things like that. It's so cold that corrosion is not normally um, an issue and yeah. all hiking gear has got aluminium th- carabiners and clips and, and, and buckles and stuff like that. You've then got the issue of access so uh, angles uh, what you can grip what you can't grip yeah. uh, total limit of, of like the thing has to be vibration free mm-hmm. for that. Um, it needs to be able to move. It, it mustn't like pull on, on, the, on the surface because then you could just dislodge a whole chunk. There are all kinds of things that you could dislocate at it from a mechanical point of view and say so you need a thing that can do that um, but how much area are we talking about Yeah, I mean you know the hunt for MH370 is going to be a little lot easier than everywhere on now admittedly there are a few paths up but generally everyone goes along yes. the kind of common type stuff but when the bodies move where if they move to Yeah, is there, a, is there some sort of science where you could predict um, maybe throw in some markers and then use that to track so like as a, a 10 year type project track Yes. Where things go, because they might have sort of um second time I'm using this word today confluence somewhere <laughs> where you could literally go and and dig up a whole graveyard and get you get yourself quite lucky
0: yeah, and I think the other one sort of as you said yes, you'd go in the off season now there's a reason they call it the off season because the weather is going to be really bad yes. and you, you can't just say, oh assuming it's a sunny, nice sunny day, no. and there's lots of solar power and there's lots of you know, a nice wind in a predictable manner. It's going to be a very inhospitable environment for your design. And, and then, let, let's just say you've got the body. You, to, to cut it out, you it's basically merged
1: with the surrounding environment. We're now dealing in the world of Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park. It's, it's effectively a fossil. Yeah. Do you dig it out as a massive, heavy chunk, density of one ton per cubic meter, and then bring it down? Uh-huh. Um, do you... Do and we've discussed in a previous podcast of the the auto, you know, do you auto have like a CNC milling yes. thing or a little blowtorch or heater or something which can vibrate to to get the thing out? And then is that if that's done remotely, how long is it going to take under bad weather where you've got frozen rain yeah. and shit being impacted there? There's there's that part. So again, detection of where the thing is, and then there's. The retrieval thing and there are two very separate things and they might require two completely different solutions the combine harvester approach of it does all in one is probably not going to work for a thing like this just based on angles and masses and energy and stuff like that and of course the students are going to say oh it's windy up there you just chuck the thing full of wind turbines it's going to be self-powered <laughs> yes but all the energy you have to extract out that's a resultant force which is going to be pushed somewhere else. Exactly. Um, which is what, exactly what you don't want to do. Um, yeah. There's also the thing of like extremely cold temperatures. So things like, um, you know, the, the actual use of like rubber to make it, bellows and things like that. Not, not great up there when it's like in the jet stream of minus yeah. 70 or minus 80 or something. So it's, uh, you know, you have to, and, and this is the thing. It's very easy to say, oh, I'm just going to design a machine to go and get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, h- how? And
0: and uh, we're, we're, it's not a solid s- block of steel. It is technically it's an organic
1: piece that has been frozen. And what happens to frozen stuff when it's disrupted too much? That's right. I mean, I suspect some of the bodies are going to be in in chunks. So, you know, if there's a yeah, if there's it, a, 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 you know, shift, if there's a shift, it
0: can be in chunks. Or when you're taking it down, it's in chunks. And if you're starting to argue, the problem comes down to say religious aspects where the body needs to be retrieved in order to be buried and and so on and so forth, or or whatever um, religious doctrine. Fine, but if you're then bringing it down in chunks, here's the head, we got the the hand stuck halfway up and stuff. <laughs> you've created a bigger problem, and yes. it, it's it's not something you can just ignore. You can't say, well, hopefully it'll stay all together. You know, it affects your your retrieval means, it retrieves your your, your it affects your collecting or, or like dislodging means it's
1: yes it's, i mean to me this is one of those things where you can break it up into the series of let's call it op- operational steps yeah and several of them are good are isolated systems which you are are fairly complicated they there there are multiple systems in it so just for example um if there's a, a vertical face just keep getting a thing to stay there that is a mechanical engineering design yes um, yes it might it might use some aero type stuff which is fluids which is mm-hmm. why it's mechanical um, but there's the world of fluids there's thermo there's applied mechanics there's all that sort of stuff but then then you then you're doing this the same sort of thing would also be used for research in antarctica or an arctic or alaska yeah. or something like that you could use it for doing all kinds of stuff in which case isn't the problem uh machinery on Steep, icy um, mountain sides yeah. where you need like a heavy piece of kit to go and do something, drill for an ore sample, but you can't. You can't have uh, an hooligan on ropes with a drill. <laughs> you need you need to have like a proper borehole machine yeah. drilling through ice to get into a mountain for research purposes yes. or to mount something to hold a bridge. You've got all kinds of problems that are related um, to it, and those are those are nice projects yes. um, to to do. In uh, in terms of the high altitude stuff. If you neglect the the poor old DBs on the top of Everest, mm. what, what other crap happens up on all of the world's high mountains, which is is a mess, which is a heck of a lot easier to deal with than retrieval of icy, frozen, dead bodies. I'm not sure where you're going with this one. All the crap that they leave behind, Oh, so yeah, the oxygen oh, actually, bottles yes. yeah, that don't no. make it down, and you think, okay, well, there's there's something where you could do where mass is not really a problem, um, or yeah, you know, the the damage to components is is
0: not. No one's going to care when it comes down, oh, you've dented my tank. You've caved in my friend's skull in your, your pickaxe method okay i'm now quite upset yes no exactly um and i think it was an image i saw the other day of the top of everest is just covered in flags
1: and yeah so a little bit of a little bit of a cleanup there if you listen to the previous podcast there's a thing of cans and things yes there's oxygen cylinders mm-hmm. there's medical stuff there's wrappers uh, there'll be chocolate bar wrappers and empty cans of red bull you name it they'll be littered up there because yeah you know when you're up at eight thousand meters Taking your junk home with you is the least of your problems, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it's not like there's going to be a park ranger with, like, excuse me, sir, you've left this top of this pristine mountain in an awful state, please tidy up. Um, that's not, there'll be flipping tent pegs left behind, there'll be buggered up tents, a yeah. hell of an amount of crap. And it's above that certain line, you're out of the day trip top stuff, which yes. means the, you know, the um, basically the people that service and, and maintain Everest above a certain height line they, they don't um, no and you know you, you like I, i'd be the guy who if, if you can pick up two cylinders fill up your bag and bring the empties home mm. if you can but you know that's that's an isolated type thing and yeah. you're above the realm of you know he, safe helicopter flight
0: yes uh, and, uh, and that sort of gets me onto the topic of including the, what you're talking about the good idea with the sort of thing that climbs the steep slopes and all that it's tempting to then say oh i've seen a you know you get those corkscrew uh, screw top things to go and say so, i've seen that that that'll be the solution i'm going to design that let me come up with a problem that allows me to design yes. that I, i've seen drones pick up debris on a soccer field after a, a big game or something like that on a stadium i will have that clean that is the worst way to be approaching any of this yes um it, it, it's in fact a guaranteed outcome um in not not a favorable way in that way but if you have that as your inspiration willing to then give up on that idea and say okay fine there is that stuff up there it does need to be taken down it's not a small thing that that is not something just of go up have a pincer pick up drive yeah. back down go one at a time um <laughs> you can't say well there's all time in the world this do it whenever there are not even just off season situations that design requires some very careful, non non um,
1: obvious practical thinking. That's right. It's a bit like the sort of beach cleaning type stuff, you know, where everyone assumes it's a flat level, very f- sort of s- gentle slope beach with all the garbage is up on top and you just have this rover and it goes around, and it detects and it picks up. Yeah. Well, that's true. There'll be some parts of Everest that are like that, but yes. you now have to factor in. Gale force winds, yep. freezing temperatures, all kinds of stuff, slippery type stuff, um, different S- grades of ice and stuff snow. Stuff getting and, buried and then half exposed, and I that's, mean, that, that's right. I mean I don't know if you were to have one of those oxygen tanks, which is now frozen into the ice. You know how much if, if it is perfectly aligned. So we've got a scuba tank. Yep. where You basically chuck it into the into the ice. How much pull force if you were to just grab it and pull? What what is required? Um, Okay, well, I, I don't really know. And what happens if it's skew? And, you know, the, I can see this machine leaning and then pulling, <laughs> pulling, pulling and doing a proper wily Coyote thing and then, whoa, off it goes off the side <laughs> of Everest. Watching the, a machine. You can watch the machines come rolling down and get lodged in, in the kind of... Um,
0: and, and and the thing is, you. so, okay, cool. So let, let's say you then say, okay, fine, we'll apply a current to the tank which will heat the tank, melt the ice and allow it to be pulled out. W- what about the flags? What about the 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 lines and stuff the ropes and things like that you can't just say fine the problem is tanks and i'm just focusing on tanks
1: that's the other thing (laughs) and i mean you'd have to detect i mean it might be possible uh, plausible that people have left full tanks there yeah so now do you do you vent them before you heat them yeah and then also if you do heat them up if it's minus 70 or something there and this thing's frozen how much energy is required to do that could you just use vibration um you know, it's one of those things where, like, there's, it's, it's a, it's, yes, it's easy to solve, but you're gonna have to dig into all of this. Yeah. Yes, the problem is that the crap is there. Okay, is it, is it a good idea to go and collect it and do a, a clean up at the end of the season, or if there's a disaster, the wind destroys tents and stuff, go and do a tent clean up when, when the weather's um, died down. And, and if, so you could say yes, let's go and do that. And then there's a the thing of, you have to really, and this is the thing that, that students don't really do. They don't really unpack that, that part of the problem before there's a URS. Which has <laughs> got the wind, it's got the yeah. ice, it's got everything that you need. But the practicalities of just think the thing through um, without coming up with solutions for it. But just like really, really, you know, oxygen tank that's buried... Okay, how, what is required to get it
0: out? I mean, I, I go two things. I think there's two problems. There is danger, to, there's sort of harm to the environment due to stuff there. And you'd have to prove that that is a harm to the environment. There's no living creatures there that are eating a rope. Yes, there's nowhere for the snails at the top of mind ever to go and exactly. mate. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're then saying it's from an aesthetic standpoint, which I think is a fair argument, you could, you could make that. Then the stuff that is buried, leave it buried yes aesthetic by definition is visual exactly so is it a case of we don't need to actually retrieve anything we just rebury it so there's a tank half exposed now just bury it further
1: cover it bury it further yes and freeze it yes take up a nice thing that's got some uh water and a, and a yeah. spray nozzle and just just cover it up so you can't see it anymore make it safe <laughs> make it part of the frozen stuff so that it cannot. Fall out or, or anything like top that. Top up
0: the, the the top of Everest. Give it a bit of a, a new coat of ice and, and snow.
1: Yes. <laughs> which which <laughs> then <laughs> starts <laughs> leading
0: to sort of interesting points of view. Seven four
1: seven would have Flying around that. on the top of Everest. I love it. I love it. And I
0: uh, I mean, th- then a whole uh, other standpoint. You know, you you've got mountains and stuff in global warming where the, the tops of the mountains are, um, they're melting. If you topped it up, is there a... a I mean, other than a sign of, of impending doom, is there a negative impact on the environment because of that melting cap? Can we re-top it up
1: and then do top-ups
0: every now and then? But what
1: about the thing of, you know, if if there's a problem with sort of evaporation and, and water storage, what about using the world's high peaks if you pump if you pump a whole lot of water up there and you you freeze it there so it can't evaporate, mm-hmm. like for a rainy day? You know? Yes, like if, yeah. If, if, if you need to you go and drop some bombs and avalanche comes down and that will melt and that will fill your dam as like an emergency... Reserve, well, and, and and
0: here, we, then you've really got to be careful because you can't then say, let's do that on Everest because A, do we bomb while people are climbing? But also... No, you, you just stood out of season, <laughs> Mr. Man. Come now. Well, you also <laughs> don't do it where it's like, oh, I've got my water tank. It's got a bit of a taste Air raid siren. Come 747 water <laughs> in inbound, duck and hide. Up with your umbrellas. <laughs> the, the problem being that it's if, if you have a person that happened to have buried themselves in, on Everest during a climb and you do the thing, it's like, my water tastes somewhat... Old person, um, <laughs> you wanted an uninhabited mountain face and stuff as a water storage system. There's actually something quite cool in that. Yes. Um, so, but I mean, again, <laughs> there's something cool in that premise. Take it back, you still got to find a problem because I think that problem still requires some refinement. But. Um, <laughs> basically the doomsday dan you're
1: waiting for the world to warm up and then you get all the the, well
0: and and that's the problem and that would have to be like something you'd have to encounter for what happens when there is an unintentional melting unintentional avalanche you know how you know how do you recover for that how do you and you know work with that so that you don't end up with the village down the down the valley suddenly getting flooded yeah um well all right for thought. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. All right.